On George Kennedy is my co-pilot, we look at the lengthy, always unique career of one of the finest character actors to ever live, George Kennedy. On this episode, a murderous lawnmower-wielding killer is terrorizing Alfred Hitchcock High with Joe Don Baker hot on their trail in the 1982 horror spoof, Wacko. Welcome to George Kennedy is my co-pilot, a podcast devoted to the always wonderful George Kennedy. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me as usual is the loony Liam O'Donnell. How you doing today, Liam? Oh, I'm I'm so so loony. I'm yeah. Very loony. Well, you know it's summer, so I am a bit baked uh, by the heat, Doug. Not by the weeds, but, but by you the are heat. A, a heat lover, as we've established many many times on our various podcasts. I you know I think I was more excited about it when I was younger. I yesterday. The, the fam is away right now, so I've been trying to intersperse my intense house cleaning with going on some walks. You know, I'm trying, sure. to, trying to get it a little more in shape. And uh, I realized this morning that I am a full shade darker than I was yesterday. Oh, my even goodness. Though I only went on two walks. Uh, so I guess, A, it, it was a lot hotter yesterday than I realized. And, uh, and B, um, I am way more sensitive to the sun than when I was a... Uh, a young kid hanging out outside for hours on end, enjoying the 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 intense heat. Well, it wasn't that intense, but you know what I mean. Like I used to. And be you're a dusky like, gentleman at, at the best of times. Oh, I, well, come on, let's not put it in a negative sense. <laughs> I, I didn't put it in a negative sense. You don't need to start calling me swarthy again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. I mean, but it is true. Like I, I do get darker in the summer, so that's not a surprise. It was just the intensity of the change, and also, and I'm sure other people have found this. People who are uh, brown like myself, sometimes we find that we get we have less melanin as we get older. Mm. So, like, even though I can still get dark, there's also a hint of red there that I never had before. Oh. Not that I'm not that I'm sunburned. That's the O'Donnell say. part of your name, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but it's just it's it's just a little bit different, and I'm a little less excited to be out in the sun. And that's a weird feeling because when I was like, you know. A teenager in my twenties, it was like being out in the sun was the fucking best. Up to a certain point, once it's over ninety, I think I'm a little bummed. But eighty degrees out, I just want to be outside all day. And now that I'm older, I'm like, where's that air conditioning at? Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're going to celebrate the sun and summer in just a little bit. But before that, joining us as always in this lengthy, sometimes baffling journey, particularly today, quite baffling, is the wonderful Sarah Jane. (laughs) How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm good, but it's hot. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's hot. It's hot everywhere, even in uh, this part of Ontario, uh, and uh, you can probably hear a little bit of the, the humming in the background, folks. It's just, we're trying to stay comfortable in this intense summer heat, and, and frankly, and look, I don't want to be a bummer, this is, the, this is just going to get worse and worse as time I goes know. on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so what so better cool. way to start today, Sarah and Liam, than with a music video, a country music video... For a song called Summer's Comin' by the legendary Clint Black, a music video directed by Clint Black himself, a star-studded music video. Now, this is a song that celebrates 
this summer, or I guess the anticipation of summer, because he keeps saying summer's coming and things that rhyme with that. Uh, there isn't much in terms of, like, there, this is not a very deep song. There isn't much depth to it. It very much is just a celebration of the idea of summer and heat waves and being on the beach, and that is what the music video celebrates as well. Uh, it was a song co-written and recorded by Clint Black, released in March 1995 as the third single from his album One Emotion, and it reached the top of the Billboard Hot Country Singles and Tracks chart and the Canadian RPM Country Tracks chart as well. Liam, we're going to start with you on this one. Describe the concept of this music video. <laughs> um, it's very interesting. Um, I mean, I'd rather not, but my... my, my so... As far mm. as I can tell, <laughs> Howie Mandel keeps seeing women, and then they turn out to not be women. Is that yes. the, the idea? Uh, one of which being our man, uh, George Kennedy. But a variety of people <laughs> uh-huh. are revealed to be to look like they are women, and then they are not women. Which, by the way, feels very much appropriate for 2023, uh, as I'm sure it was back then. So, I mean, just to elaborate a little bit. <laughs> This video stars Howie Mandel, the uh, famous comedian, while he still had hair. And he goes to the beach, even though he's supposed to be, I guess, kind of like a dorky guy because he's Howie Mandel. And he keeps approaching w- what appears to be beautiful women. And then they turn towards him and their face is that of a famous male celebrity. <laughs> That's the concept of the video. Uh, also, and, Joey Lawrence shows up at one And point. then at the very last moment Ooh. of the video... The great Joey Lawrence, uh, best known for his uh, his acting role on the sitcom Blossom, he shows up and says, <laughs> whoa, out of whoa. nowhere. <laughs> By the way, this is a song from 1995. Like, people, th- that's like a reference from like 1993. So it uh, it's uh, it's really quite something revisiting this video or visiting it for the, um, the first time. Um, so I want to mention that this is, as I said, a star-studded video. Not just Howie Mandel shows up and not just George Kennedy, but we'll talk about him in just a moment. Also appearances by Jay Leno, Dick Clark, Charlie Chase, Gerald McRaney, David Hasselhoff, and as we just mentioned, Joey Lawrence. Uh, but before we talk about the video proper, I want to ask you, uh, starting with you, Sarah, any thoughts on this Clint Black character, a very popular country musician? Uh, this era in particular, he was... He was huge, right? A mainstream country star. What do you think about Clint Black? Um, obviously I know who he is. Sure. But I do not like this type of country music. Mm. So in 95, I would have just been ignoring this. Um, you know, this video for a second here, uh, I didn't know it was cre- uh, directed by Clint Black until you said so. <laughs> and then I thought, of course, because this seems to be a concept that he came up with himself. You know, wouldn't it be funny if uh, Howie Mandel sees George Kennedy's face? Huh? <laughs> it's just like, what? It's just, it's awful. And the song is awful. And I do not like, um, you know. It, it also seems like I was surprised to see it was 1995. I know. I know. I was like... I thought maybe i mean he probably wasn't around in the 80s but it just felt like older than that like just ugh, no i know it's ridiculous to think about and of course to really nail home that clint black is the one who directed this at the end um 
Howie Mandel runs into an, a- an actual beautiful woman, and of course, mm-hmm. it's Clint Black's wife, and he's like, hey, 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 buddy, no way, and Clint Black gets to walk off with his beautiful wife, and uh, and that's when Joey Lawrence, of course, comes in and says, whoa, what? whoa, because <laughs> Clint Black can't be the uncool guy, he's just a cool guy, now, I mean, I don't want to make a, a real uh, condemnation of him, I know nothing about Clint Black, sure, he's a perfectly decent fella or maybe not maybe he's a piece of shit i don't know he could be either way (laughs) especially as a country musician of the mid 1990s liam how about yourself you're a music guy as we've established many times previously what are your thoughts on clint black in this era of new country in the mid 90s i don't i don't have an opinion sure he's a smiley fella (laughs) i mean before i watched before I watched this video, I would have told you I didn't know who that was. And okay, I, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about him. Uh, and then this actual song is torture music. This is what you play <laughs> at Guantanamo to to make people suffer. This is not something that you put on for enjoyment reasons, as far as I'm concerned. This is, I, I mean, honestly, Doug, I only watched about thirty seconds of this video with the sound on, and then I thought, no. I can't with this, and I turned the sound down. I just watched it silently, and I uh, gotta say, a bit more enjoyable without the music. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Nothing on earth. That... Oh no, please. Oh, I was just gonna say because we just call it, keep calling her uh, Clint Black's wife. He's married to Lisa Hartman. Yes, uh, uh, if you remember her as an actress, I don't think she did much after. Uh... I mean, she was really active in the mid. Uh, the 90s and I guess the early 90s as well. Um, I couldn't tell you what she was in, mostly TV movies, I think. But, you know, I guess Where the Boys Are 84 <laughs> might be something <laughs> that people know. Probably not. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of nothing. But uh, a, lot, and a musician in her own right. Uh, so I, I definitely yeah. don't want to uh, to discount that. Uh, she was in Deadly Blessing, the Wes Craven film. So that's hey a connection to the sort of genre fair that we most enjoy. I just want to read some of the lyrics of Summer's Coming. Nothing on earth that'll get me humming like a heat wave coming and I'll come running. With her making that tan in the broad daylight and every night is a Saturday night. And everything's right with the summer coming. I'm the first one standing in line for my day in the sun. I've been working tis the, till the sun don't shine. Liam, very exciting lyrics there from uh, Mr. Clint Black. Now, you, you've already given your thoughts on the song proper. Uh, you don't enjoy it. Let me just reinforce. The, you, you, you don't enjoy the song, which is just, a again, a, um, a celebration of summertime, which is a, a season that you do enjoy. Uh-huh. Deborah Evans Price of <laughs> Billboard Magazine. <laughs> She reviewed the song unfavorably. She says, she asked about uh, Black, why would he want to waste his time composing refried Beach Boys music like that? She says he seems like he's been spending a little too much time in the sun. Sarah, uh, (laughs) you obviously don't have a lot of strong feelings about Clint Black generally. Uh, This song, though, what do you think? Uh, No, it's a no for me. (laughs) And I got to say, Deborah Evans Price, that's an insult to the Beach Boys. I was thinking the same thing, right? Their music is... uh, you know, you might dismiss it. Um, dis- oh, that's just light fluff. But uh, no, there's craft on display there. Also, she might have been Absolutely. thinking about about late late '80s Beach Boys. Music. Oh well, uh, wait, <laughs> hang on, hang on. First of all, Mike Love is a douchebag, and that yeah. guy could go fuck himself. So uh-huh. anything that he's involved with. Uh, whatever that Kokomo song. No, that's awful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Mike Love, if you're listening, 
and I hope you are, fuck you. (laughs) I love Brian Wilson. We saw him at the Hollywood Bowl when he came back out. Um, Gosh, I don't know, even when it was. It was sometime in the early 2000s, I think. And it was Mm. really, it it was tremendous. So I have all love and respect for Brian Wilson. So, yes, Beach Boys music up to a point is great. And so Clint Black does not belong anywhere in that sentence. Unless you want to put him with Mike Love. And they're probably friends. Who knows? Clint Black seems like he, he might be, you know, of that I, political ilk. I, I so. did go, I did have a little search just to see if maybe he had said yes. something, especially recently. Because, you know, like people like Travis Tritt have said a bunch of really ridiculous yes. things over the past couple of years. He, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about Clint Black or his political leanings. We, I don't want to paint with a broad sure. brush. His just what I know of his music is, I mean, I mean, I can't even say that all of his music is bad because I, I don't want to, uh, you know, sum him up like that. But I will say this song is bad and it is really yes. ridiculous. <laughs> and this music video is terrible. But what isn't terrible about it is that it features George Kennedy in drag <laughs> for the first time ever. On George Kennedy's my co-pilot, we get to see George Kennedy as what he would look like. Uh, as a beautiful woman, which is something that we couldn't have done without the power of AI technology up to this point. Um, <laughs> now, George Kennedy, so the, the context is that, as we mentioned, Howie Mandel looking for um, a beautiful woman on the beach. He finds a, a, like a model who's being photographed, and she turns, and we suddenly get a ultra close-up of George Kennedy. <laughs> By the way, up like we, I listed the celebrities in this. It's a strange mix of celebrities. The fact that one of them is George Kennedy is the most random, bizarre thing. <laughs> I mean, how many people even in 1995? I mean, God bless George Kennedy. We have a podcast about him. But it only shows him for a second super up close. I bet a lot of people didn't even recognize who it was supposed to be. Liam, what did you think of George Kennedy in this music video? I mean, I, you say <laughs> you say not a lot of people know who he's supposed to be, but I assume Clint Black's music in 1995 was for old people in 1995. So yes, they probably did recognize him. And uh, it's 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 an L for me. It's 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 a bummer. <laughs> like, I, what you're doing? I mean, I mean, we remember this. We're old hat at this now, Doug, covering someone who you think is pretty great, and you cover them for a podcast, and you take the good with the bad. And I just got to say, this whole episode is going to be a bummer for me, Doug. So this was just I had already I had already given our man an L. And then you said, here's some extra L sauce for that L stew that we're cooking up for George Kennedy. And so I watched it. and I thought, God, damn. and what's crazy is that, like, at least he has a place from which to fall. This is a this is a video in which. Uh, people who I already don't like, like for example Howie Mandel or Jay Leno, actually look worse. I mean, God damn it! I felt bad for Joey <laughs> Lawrence, which is like I don't think about Joey Lawrence normally, right? And here he shows up at the end, and I thought, oh, buddy, come on, man, really? Ah, oh, what a shame. That's just that's a, that's that's. <laughs> I feel bad for you for you, bud. So you know, it's 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 a. Cool, he has a wig on. I'd like to see him do something else, I guess, with the wig on. But in, in this case, Doug, I, I I hold this. Video. I'm sorry. What what do you want to see? What else do you want to see him do with the wig on? Just see him in a wig on. That seems fine. That'd be cool. But like, but like this video is a is a mark against everyone involved in it, and possibly the entire state of California, where I assume it was filmed. <gasps> Oh, oh don't even put that on us. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, California crimes are long and deep, so I guess I shouldn't mark this too high. So. <laughs> you don't know that for sure. It could have been uh, the the beaches of Tennessee. 
Uh, well, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to hold it against Florida, Doug, because I just feel at this point they got, they already got all the L's in the world. So at least what there's are, up marks for California. You know? One of the things that might become clear in this episode is George Kennedy wearing a wig and Howie Mandel being disgusted at it might not be the most embarrassing thing he's involved in for the rest of this episode. No, that is fair. That, that is, is fair. Correct. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit, Sarah. Uh, George Kennedy in drag uh, as a beautiful woman. What do you think? Um, mm. looking at this picture, the still close up, I yes. noticed that he has no makeup on. So I wonder it was like, I'll put on the wig, but don't you fucking put mascara on me. You know what I mean? Because I don't think anyone had uh, any makeup on. They just had a wig, right? I mean, yes, I think that's exactly right. Certainly when Jay, that's the odd thing of the celebrity appearances in this music video is that they go by extremely quickly. I like, like if you, like I know David Hasselhoff and where he yeah. is in the music video, but they don't even give him a close up. It's very, very strange how they have integrated the celebrities into this. I had to look twice and I recognized uh, uh, Dick Clark, Howie Mandel, obviously, and Jay Leno. But I d- did not catch uh, Gerald McCraney in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so one of the just, two mustachioed yeah. gentlemen. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I did recognize Hasselhoff just because I feel like this was Baywatch time. Oh, and yeah, somehow definitely. I just recognized, because I... Was he in a wig? Because I feel like he was in his... No, no, regular... he's just gesticulating wildly in front of a okay. uh, adoring group of women. That's, That's the right. Deal. So yeah. So yeah. So he had the on uh, nothing but I think red uh, uh, swim trunks. Yeah. No, he's so, wearing like a Hawaiian I, shirt, which is all the more is strange he? because his whole deal uh, is see, to be shirtless. I I missed it then. I guess I recognized the shape of his head and his hair. I don't sure. know, but I knew yeah. who it was. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it is a strange video, uh, and it's one that listeners, I implore you to visit if you've not checked it out before, which will be in the show notes today, or revisit if you've enjoyed it in the past. Have a little blast from the past with this collection of celebrities. But today we're not here to talk about Clint Black and his Ode to Summer. We're here to talk about 1982's Wacko by director Graydon Clark. Let us take a break. When we return, the horror spoof of 1982, Wacko. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, an important announcement from Academy Award-winning actor, Mr. George Kennedy. One very serious point. Lawnmowers do not kill people. People kill people. Wacko! 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 At last, a motion picture made by, for, and about people just like you and me. times have I told you this is not a toy? Oh, there was a phone message for you. Oh, wow. From Norman? Oh, wow. He didn't say. Oh, come on, Mom. What did he say? Well, at first it goes, uh, your daughter's gonna die tonight. Then he says, um... <gasps> oh, wow. 
Thirteen years after the lawnmower killer killed her sister, high school student Mary Graves and obsessed detective Dick Harbinger are on the lookout for the killer to reappear during the annual Halloween pumpkin prom. <laughs> it's, it's 1982's Wacko from director Graydon Clark, uh, really well-loved uh, exploitation <laughs> filmmaker, uh, director of classics such as, uh, well, I know him best for Black Shampoo, but also Satan's Cheerleaders, Angel's Revenge, Uninvited, Dance Macabre, Skinheads, and Star Games. Uh, also, uh, uh, Without Warning, uh, actually, which is a lot of fun. Uh, he actually has an autobiography called On the Cheap, My Life in Low-Budget Filmmaking, and we'll be taking some information from that when we discuss the movie proper. A real murderer's row of writers on this, including Dana Olson who would later find great success writing The Burbs, which, of course, we've talked about on our Dick, uh, Dick Clark, I was going to say, on our Dick Miller podcast. Memoirs of an Invisible Man, oof. And the live-action George of the Jungle and Inspector Gadget movies. He also co-created Henry Danger uh, alongside notorious piece of garbage Dan Schneider. It was also uh, written by Michael Spound, who is best known as an actor and uh, appearing on the television show Hotel in the 1980s, as well as a slew of guest appearances on shows throughout the 80s and 90s. Uh, They also had like a rewrite. I think what it was is that Graydon Clark took a script that already existed, and then he brought in some other writers to work on it, including Jim Kauf, uh, who co-wrote The Boogans, the horror movie, and also wrote and produced Stakeout and The Hidden, and helped write Snow Dogs, Taxi, and National Treasure. And then uh, David Greenwald as well, who uh, co-directed Rude Awakening with Cheech Marin and Eric Roberts, which we featured on the Eric Roberts podcast, but best known for his work in TV, particularly as executive producer of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, and he co-created the show Grimm with Jim Koof, who we just talked about just uh, a moment ago. The cast of this, it's a stacked cast for a wacko. Including, of course, the great Joe Don Baker as Dick Harbinger, Stella Stevens and George Kennedy, Julia Duffy as Mary Graves, Andrew Dice Clay, and a young Andrew Dice Clay as Tony Schlongini. <laughs> Elizabeth Daly is here as well, and a few other familiar faces, as, uh, including Charles Napier, shows up briefly. But let's just get into it. I'm going to start with Sarah today. Sarah, what are your general thoughts on 1982's Wacko? <sighs> Correct. <laughs> After about the first, exactly, the first scene of the movie played, and uh, it's, and I'm going to spoil it for you, it's George Kennedy peeping in on his daughter, who is in her, um, you know, uh, underwear and, uh, or her panties and a bra. Yes. And then I was like, she's like, what are you doing, Daddy? And I immediately paused the movie, although I should have just let it play, and picked up my phone and, <laughs> and I sent a DM to Doug and Liam and I just was like, what the fuck am I watching? What is this? <laughs> and yeah, that's my feeling for the entire movie. I did not like it. It was not funny. Nothing was funny. And uh, I kept looking at the runtime, hoping it would be over soon. <laughs> We should mention, by the way, that that is a running gag that George Kennedy's character has uh, has uh, he's attracted to his own daughters, and that they bring that, and that that is the thing he says all the time when he's caught peeping or attempting to molest them. Uh, I guess uh, he says that he was just trying to mow the lawn. That is a joke, and by the way, that joke is the reason that George Kennedy plays this part as opposed to Martin Landau, who was originally cast. He called up Creighton Clark and he says, I can't play the part of a father who spies on his teenage daughter when she's undressing. My God, that's awful. And Graydon's like, Marty, it's a comedy. Of course it's awful. It's all for laughs. I'm glad they kept it in because otherwise the great Martin Landau 
would be in this movie instead of George <laughs> no. Kennedy. But it is, uh, it it even at the time. I mean, not that things have changed so much that this would be in good taste. But this isn't just bad taste. It's just kind of gross. You know, it's just unpleasant to watch in the context of the movie. But certainly, yeah. Sarah, there must be something that you enjoyed about this movie. What about that extensive cast we were just talking about? Um, well, I guess enjoy might be the wrong word, but I do have a note here, <laughs> and, you know, I had to write, it's a small little list of things that I liked. I did like uh, Joe Don Baker. I thought, uh, you know, he was doing the best that he could as his uh, sweaty, twinky-loving, you know, uh, harbinger of you know, whatever he was a harbinger of. Um, yeah, I did like him. Um, and I did like, there's <laughs> the there's a pumpkin prom, which is weird because, you know, they're having their prom on Halloween because, yeah. you know, funny. And so there's a band that plays called Avalon, and uh, I like their music. You know, you know what? They are. I thought they were good. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. New, new AV power pop stuff. I, I, I dug the music. Wish we had yeah. a little bit more of it. Uh, Liam, let's move over to you. Uh, seems like, Sarah, little uh, little negative on 1982's Wacko. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, how about, let's hear your thoughts. What do you think of the movie? Boy, I'll tell you when when I ask people's <laughs> thoughts, like both of you, and there's just a long sigh that starts. That's not a good sign. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's a horror. It's a horror comedy, or, or let's not even say a horror comedy. It's a spoof. It's yes. a horror spoof, and so it it's got to be funny, right? Because no part of it's going to be scary. There's not going to be any actual horror, so it's got to be funny, and it and it should really. Um, skewer the genre, really show like, okay, we know what's going on in horror and we're going to make fun of it. And much like other movies we've covered, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I don't know that anyone who made this knows much about horror movies. There's a couple <laughs> moments that reminded me of like references to Halloween specifically, and there's a moment that's clearly meant to reference Alien. But it's in the dumbest possible way. It's not even you. You get better satire from Saturday Night Live, and that's it. Not, it feels you know. like a, a movie written by people who saw horror trailers as opposed to actually seeing the movie. One hundred percent. And for me, Doug, there was literally. I mean, it, you know, people would say oftentimes about a movie like, "Oh, none of the jokes are good," and that might be an exaggeration. So understand, I'm not exaggerating when there was <laughs> one moment. I thought was funny, but not funny enough that I remembered it or laughed out loud. <laughs> the movie is so unfunny, Doug, that the one joke that I thought kind of landed, I went, oh, that's weird. That was actually kind of funny. But I didn't laugh, and I didn't remember the moment. I went, what was that moment again? I'm like, eh, it doesn't matter, because it's so <laughs> surrounded by bullshit that it's not even worth noting that there was one gag that I thought, in a different movie, I might laugh at that. You know, For the most part, I was just kind of horrified, like, A... Yeah, the George Kennedy stuff I'm sure is done with a good intention of like, oh, it's it's silly, but it's not silly. It's gross. Yep. They they push it far too hard, and that becomes a theme of the movie that like nothing really works. Uh, the 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 even the I was kind of stoked when uh, uh, Andrew Clay, which I think he's not dice yet. So yeah, he's not Andrew dice. Clay. He's not the dice man. Yeah, yet. yeah, That's yeah. Right. yeah. When he showed up and the joke was about him having a giant dick, I thought, okay, 
there's a there's a primal child in my brain that will find this funny. None of that yeah. shit lands either. How can mm-hmm. you how can you mess up? You got Andrew Clay. The joke has <laughs> got a huge dick. You're gonna make a lot of dick jokes. At least some small infantile part of my brain will be amused. None of that shit was good. Not as for me, Doug. And this is I'm not trying to <laughs> prescribe this for anyone else, but uh-huh. for me, the movie was so absent of comedy that one joke wasn't so bad i rolled my eyes and i thought oh that's interesting and that's it the whole thing that's is a interesting bummer. that's that the whole thing is a bummer and there's a couple you didn't find it I funny sorry thought. you didn't find it funny when andrew dice clay or sorry andrew clay is sitting at the table with his girlfriend's parents and he gets no. so aroused that he knocks the entire table over with his erect penis <laughs> Here's the thing. I did not. Here's the thing. <laughs> let's say, let's say, me and you are putting on a little, little. We're, we're at. Let's say, Cinepunks has a retreat. We're gonna do a variety night. Me and you come up with a little skit, and uh, yeah, my dick's so big it knocks over the table. That's a joke that you say out loud and we laugh at. And then when we think about actually doing it, we go, "No, that's stupid. We can't actually do that." They did it. They filmed it, and it's like the worst possible. It's they they couldn't even figure out a way to do it that didn't look like literal children being like <laughs> like it, they, no joke in the movie not only are they bad conceptually none of them are executed well either every, for me every aspect of this movie that could make it work <laughs> fails in like an obvious and a bummer way uh, and I, I have it even worse than you guys because I don't even like Avalon so there was no <laughs> moment for me that was like cool about the movie now is it so bad that I was like offended no 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 it's not that it's just the whole thing was just basically boring because i mean i guess there's some amount of amusement towards the end when you start to say hey they're gonna do this whole movie and not get a single joke that's cool like it's kind of it's kind of amazing in in an abstract way that you could do this much of a movie with this many fun people and none of it really lands for me you know like they they get close to jokes like joe don baker waking up and filling his whole briefcase full of coffee that could maybe work, but it goes on so goddamn long, and then they only it only pays off once. You've got the, the briefcase full of coffee with a spout on it, and you only then use it one time more in the movie? Get the fuck out of here. Like, it, I don't want to go on and on about it, Doug. The point well, we, is, no, we the gotta, movie doesn't we gotta, work for me. We, we need to get into to a little bit of detail. Um, I do want to mention that like one of the jokes is that Joe Don's Baker, Joe Don Baker's family are black, and that's just a joke stolen directly from the jerk. Uh, Greg and Clark says that it's his tribute to the jerk, but it's like it, you can't just steal jokes from movies that are only a couple of years old at that point. I think <laughs> I enjoyed this movie more than the both of you, while also not enjoying it, uh, which is an <laughs> odd thing to say. Uh, it, it to me, it's I think I did have a couple of moments where I was like, "That is funny," like that is a funny moment in it, and they really stuck out in a movie that is full of really unfunny attempts to be funny. I do want to mention to you, by the way, this movie was designed to be PG-rated, just like Airplane, because this movie isn't meant to be, again, a spoof in the style of Airplane, but when it was released, the uh, distributors thought that it would do better if it was R-rated instead, so they added that bit at the very beginning where the lawnmower killer says, death to all teenagers who fuck. <laughs> in the hopes to get it. And already, it's funny because I don't know if either of you have ever seen Student Bodies before. Uh-huh. But there's a part in that yes. where the movie just stops and someone says directly to the camera that these movies do better when when they're rated R. So he just says, fuck, to get the R rating. This movie literally does that in reality. <laughs> what they were joking about 
in student bodies. And turning over to student bodies for a moment, this movie, as we talked about, Liam, in our Praising Kane episode on the movie Pandemonium, this uh, was a time when there was a slew of spoofs, uh, not just of, of horror movies, but in particular horror movies. Pandemonium was one, Saturday the 14th, um, Student Bodies, as I just mentioned, Full Moon High. There was a whole slew of them at the time. I'm going to just ask you, Liam, just sticking with you for a second. We covered Pandemonium not too long ago. Is this movie better or worse than that? To me, it is worse. Uh, I think that Pandemonium, though also a movie I don't enjoy, um, it had one or two moments that I could at least be like, oh, okay, whatever. Now, part of that might be that I just like Carol Kane a, a lot, and so I just want to, to like that movie more. Um, or maybe that Pandemonium used up all of my patience for this kind of 80s comedy. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All I know is I had less fun watching this, which is saying a lot because I did not have a lot of fun watching Pandemonium. So just turning over to you, Sarah, uh, we just, I just mentioned the slew of spoofs at that time period. Those movies that I mentioned, have you seen any of those before? Student Bodies, Saturday the 14th, etc.? I have seen Student Bodies and probably Horror High, but uh, Liam and I were discussing uh, before recording. Um, I think uh, we don't like horror comedies because there's so few that are actually funny. Um, so, I, you know, I maybe liked horror or, or I maybe like Student Bodies. Maybe. I don't. It's been such a long time since I've seen them that, um, you know. I couldn't tell you. All that I know is this movie is um, <laughs> not good. It's what, what about nor- the films? Oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, what about the films of that time period that lean a little heavier into the horror, like like a American Werewolf in London or something like that? Oh, now that is like pretty much the ultimate horror comedy. Like that right. is the the apex, I guess, and everything tries to emulate that and is never going to come close. No one, I mean, I do like things like, um, and they're not spoofs, but like, I like Fred Decker's, um, like, uh, Night of the Creeps and, um, uh, oh, what's the one with the other, with all the, um, the horror creatures in it, uh, that has the monster squad. Yes. Monster squad. Sorry. Uh, and I like that. I think those are great, but there, mm-hmm. it's hard to get a really good horror comedy. Yeah, I would also it, I would also lift up uh, Evil Dead Two, which I know is sure. kind of controversial, but I think at its base, it's, it's, it's kind not, of a comedy that, as well. I don't think anyone would argue with the fact that Evil Dead Two has a comedic bent to it. I mean, Reanimator as well. I mean, there's lots of great movies. Yeah, there are but horror those, movies which have comedic movies, elements, right? Yeah, all Correct. those movies are still basically horror movies, and these yeah. spoofs. They don't give a fuck about the horror. And that's it. I'm not convinced that they have to, to, in my mind, because I'm wondering if, if, so, uh, if any of these movies were actually funny, right, would I care that they don't care about the horror? But maybe the reality is once you move into this kind of spoof, I don't think you're funny. In fact, if if I was going to list outside of horror other spoof movies I like, there's not a lot. You know, there's Top Mm -hmm. Secret, there, are parts of Airplane, but I don't even love Airplane the way a lot of people do. I don't know that I have a huge list of this kind of comedy. So when you when you combine this kind of comedy with, hey, we're also mocking horror in a way that shows we don't give a fuck about it, maybe that's just not my vibe. Maybe it's just not a world for me, you know? 
Let's turn to this cast specifically for a little bit. Uh, Sarah's already mentioned her love for the great Joe Don Baker in this. He plays basically the most slovenly cop in the entire world. He is, uh, you know, just he, he, he. One of the jokes is that he looks how he looks because he's been asleep for thirteen years. That uh, he's oh, just I uh, he hadn't slept. Oh, that's right. He, he hadn't, hadn't slept, slept for thirteen, 13 years. years. Yeah, he's only supposed to be thirty-one years old when he looks. I mean, he looks rough, <laughs> but that's part of John. Joe Don Baker's kind of charm is that he looks a little... I mean, he's Mitchell, right? Uh, we also, yeah. <laughs> as we mentioned, you know, there's lots of familiar faces in the cast. Uh, Sarah, anyone stand out to you outside of Joe Don Baker? Um, I, you know, everybody's pretty serviceable with what they have. Um, I didn't really like Julia Duffy, although I know you asked me <laughs> who I did like. Uh, uh, Andrew Clay just seemed like he was doing Vinnie Barbarino. Specifically, yeah, he's you know? he, he's specifically trying to do a, a John Travolta impression in this. Yes, um, I mean Stella Stevens is not in it very much, but you know, and they have her always in a low cut, uh, yeah, dress, <laughs> so you can see her cleavage, which she has nice cleavage. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. Uh, I always love seeing Charles Napier when he pops up. I did like E.G. Daly, or I guess here she's credited yeah, she's as just Elizabeth Liz Daly, that's Daly. Right. and I did like her. Uh, I thought, you know, she was sweet. Um, oh, I hated the guy, I don't even know who it is, who was Julia Duffy's boyfriend. Yes. Like, he was just unattractive in every way. And I'm like, how does he have a career? Although, yeah, Scott McGinnis. I, rec- I recognized him, so he must be in some other 80s stuff. But, yeah, no, no. Well, what if I was to tell you that originally the leads of this movie were not Julia Duffy and her boyfriend played by Scott McGinnis, but uh, two of the other actors that that, uh, auditioned and were very close to getting the roles was Julia Louis-Dreyfus in the lead instead of uh, Julia Duffy, (laughs) and James Spader as her boyfriend. (gasps) Oh, man, they both dodged a bullet. I might have liked this more. Had it, did it have James Spader in it? Because I love him, but I don't know if he would have recovered from the, from this movie. I, I don't know. Graydon Clark's uh, book. He talks about how much he loves Jodan Baker. Uh, he he spe- speci- sorry. He specifically says about his performance in Wacko. Joe Don's performance in Wacko is one of the greatest comedic performances I've ever seen on film. Yes, I know it's my film, but it's also my honest opinion. Even though Wacko's budget and shooting schedule were more than I had before, we were still a very low-budget film. When you see the actress' performance, you'll see you'll you're still seeing take one in almost all cases. Uh, Liam, I know that you're a fan of Joe Don <laughs> Baker as well. Would you agree that it's one of the greatest comedic performances ever shown on film? Get the fuck out of here. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, will, I, will, I will say he is one of the least frustrating parts of the movie. Um, he seems to get about, it at the very least. Yeah, and anything about that character that isn't funny isn't his fault. Like, I think he's doing pretty good. Um, and quite honestly, there's a couple moments that, like, are almost funny because he's just so silly, like, in this movie. But to put it up that high, I mean, I'm just not convinced that this dude, you know, that Clark understands comedy at all because this movie is bad so um yeah no 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 i mean you know all respect to jordan baker and you know his presence is almost enough to redeem some parts of this movie but he still can't pull it out the scene where he is um he's trying to convince his boss charles napier that the killer has come back 
that scene kind of almost works. It's it, it's not very well written or anything like that, but it almost works because Charles Napier is playing it pretty straight, like a regular Charles Napier role of that time period. But there's almost no characters like that who are like playing it straight, which is kind of the whole comedy aspect of, especially the kind of movie that they're trying to take off, like like an airplane where you have Leslie Nielsen, even though he's saying ridiculous things, playing it super straight at the same time. But these characters, a lot of the times, are like mugging really big and like just trying to put so much into the role. It's why of the performances in this, I actually think George Kennedy does pretty well, even though his his character is asked to do some really terrible things, because his whole deal is that he has a certain level of dignity to him. So throwing a f- some cream pies at him might be funny in <laughs> in some sort of context. I am going to ask, uh, Sarah, you've already mentioned you did not laugh very much in this movie. Is there any joke you can think of that at least elicited a smile? No. Wow. You and, did not and- enjoy this. I did not. And can I just mention that I tried to get my husband to watch this with me. Sure. And he was like, fuck no. And so while I was watching it, he because I was watching this in the living room, uh, while I was watching it, he walked through and he saw me and then he looked at the screen and he's like, he didn't say anything, but on his way back from the kitchen, uh, he said, you know, and so I paused it. He said, he believes... That you, Doug, pick make all of these picks based on how much you want to torture us. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He said these are all torturous. And I said, yeah, but we've seen two really, you know, two good, great movies so far. And he's like, yeah, but, you know. We're just coming off a great should, movie. I know. He's like, you should, he should front load these with all the good ones. And I'm like, that's no, you can't. That, you that is an error that we made over on the Eric Roberts podcast. And believe me, you do not want that. You want stuff to look forward to. Uh- Correct. <laughs> that's what I said. He's also, like, this well, yeah. this could have been great. Look at that cast. Graydon Clark <laughs> is a director that I've seen a lot of good stuff from. I love, can I just mention that I do love Graydon Clark's uh, work. I love, I mean, you know, <laughs> I love Satan Sadist, Mighty Gorga, Hell's Bloody Devils. Dracula versus, sorry, versus Frankenstein. Well, he's, act, he's an actor in that one. <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. Yes. I like those that he acted in, but I did like his other stuff, Satan's Cheerleaders, Black Shampoo. I love that stuff, the exploitation stuff. So this, though, I mean, Clark, no. There's just Le- nothing. I can't think of anything funny. Yeah. It, I mean, it is. There's nothing worse than a bad comedy. It's something that we've repeated a number of times on our various podcasts here. I am going to say, Liam, before I ask you if there's any joke at all that you can think of. Hey, how about that one where uh, Julia Duffy, uh, she's getting ready for the big prom and she inflates her breasts so much that she starts to float into the air? What do you think about that? So cool. There was one joke that I did laugh at, <laughs> Liam. Maybe I'm ashamed of myself. It was this when they're driving to the prom and Stella Stevens is talking to them in the backseat and is boring him so much that he uses an ejector seat to just throw her out of the backseat of the car. (laughs) Now you go. Now you tell me something funny. Uh, 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 No, I got nothing, Doug. How about the post... There was a point, there was one moment, and I don't remember when it was. It might have been when uh, there's that extended sequence where uh, Julie Duffy's, she, isn't she 
No, I think that's right. Right, she's being chased by, but it's not the lawnmower killer, right? It's the police officer. As but they do like a bunch of gags. All right, you need you need to settle yourself and figure out what you're going to say, and then say it. Well, what I'm saying is there there was a moment during that extended chase sequence. There were they do like four different gags before she comes into the pumpkin prom and the what looks like the the lawnmower killer bursts through the wall. There right. was one of those gags I think was funny, but I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> like I said, for the most part, the movie's not, it's just not funny, right? And yeah. they, the stuff they throw at the wall, like where her dad, he's not a doctor, he's just named doctor, and that's why he's so bad oh, as a doctor. Get the fuck out of here. Or when he's in the wrong room for the surgery. There's so many things that, like, I'm sure sounded funny in theory, but none of them land in this movie. You know, uh, even the whole werewolf angle is just like, come on, oh, what that's, the fuck yeah, are you doing? That, that's real bad. You don't even get to see the football game, which is very strange. I, I'll, I'm going to say one more. Oh, please, Sarah. Uh, I apologize to cut you off, but did Graydon Clark, since you read this section in his book, mm-hmm. did he have a love for Hitchcock? Because he, the right, Hitchcock yeah, yeah, yeah. is all over this Oh, movie. that's the other thing. So was it the Dance of the Marionettes, the the song it's, that is most connected with Hitchcock? Yeah, the funeral of the, march, yeah. The, that's right, the... the 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 opening of the Alfred Hitchcock television show, you know, the music goes. Dun, 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 I'll put it in here. Dun, 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 dun. That is played all throughout this movie, and characters hum it. It is supposed to be hilarious that they're aware that I guess this music exists. Uh, the big reason it's in this movie is because it's in the public domain, so he was able just to incorporate it. But yeah, look, the fact that the the, the school rivalry is the Hitchcock School versus the De Palma School—that's a pretty clever joke. That shows someone who actually does know the genres somewhat. Um, so there is something to that. I do also want to say that I laughed at when uh, Julia Duffy's boyfriend, he wins like Queen of the Prom and he gets a door prize and it's just a door. <laughs> his name is Norman Bates, by the way. Yeah. And, yeah, and he brought his uh, skeleton dead mother to a dinner. Yeah, makes her sing Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> well, yes, she could talk and drink water at the same time. <laughs> so I think if we're if nothing else has come across in our little discussion here about Wacko, it's that it's not a very funny movie. But that doesn't mean that it can't have a great performance from George Kennedy as Mister Doctor Graves, the uh, the patriarch of this family, who again likes to creep on his own daughters in a very unpleasant way. Outside of that, let's let's put that to the side for a second. Sarah, what did you think of George Kennedy in Wacko? You know, uh, in these kind of movies, George Kennedy is just George Kennedy. And maybe kind of the performance here is what he uses uh, um, in uh, like the Naked Gun movies or whatever, where it's just like a caricature of George Kennedy. Sure. But he was a little more zany here, if zany is the right word. And I, I guess he looked like he was having fun. <laughs> Maybe, you know, because he's got blood all over him. He's wielding chainsaws. Uh, you know, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff, including mowing lawns. Um, <laughs> you know, well, not really. But so he was all right. You know, it's it's not his fault for the way nothing he did made this movie worse. If that well, hang on. His character creeping on his daughters yeah. is gross, but that's not his fault. Um, you know, he he's just doing it for his paycheck. His whatever. What did he get? Seventy five thousand. Seventy five thousand, uh, or, or yeah, just around. He for for a, a, a ten hour days for 
seven days, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he had him for a week. I want to mention that in that book, uh, outside of the how much George Kennedy cost, there is a sequence. I'm sure both of you have seen the movie Ed Wood before. Mm-hmm. And there's a part in it where Ed Wood is uh, filming, uh, ironically, Martin Landau as Boris, as Boris Kava, I was going to say, as Bela Lugosi. <laughs> And he does that speech from Plan 9 where he goes, pull the string, pull the string. <laughs> and they're like in awe of his acting performance. There's a part where he talks about George Kennedy and he feeds him the line where, you know how there's a running gag where everyone says that uh, Julia Duffy's character is bound to be screwed up by the terrible images yeah. she must carry. Well, he has to say that. And they came up with it while they were sitting around the dinner table. And he's like, George, I want you to say this. And he's like, I, it's, I don't have much time to memorize it. And he's like, okay, well, let's take a few minutes and you'll, you'll, you'll try to get the dialogue down and we'll do as many takes as we need to get it. And then George Kennedy nailed it on the first go. And Graydon Clark had that like Edward moment. It's like, oh my God, now this is what an actor is like. A completely unfunny running joke in this terrible movie. <laughs> Oscar winner. Yeah, well, hey, legitimately an Oscar winner. Liam, what did you think of George Kennedy as Mr. <laughs> Dr. Graves? Here's the thing, Doug. I agree with Sarah Jane that the the crimes of this movie are in the script, not in George Kennedy's performance, except for in the case of this character, perhaps phoning it in would have made the character less gross. Because there's a couple times when when he is leeringly trying to take his daughter's uh, uh, nightgown up with a claw. He's got this extendo claw from the window and -hmm. he's trying to undress her with the claw and he's looking on like this is the greatest shit that's ever happened to him. The look on his face, that's acting, Doug. It is also (laughs) fucking skin-crawlingly gross. Thus, in some ways... His performance should have been worse, so that it, that role would have been a little less gross for me. But no, I mean he's fine. It just doesn't matter. Like no one, him, Jodan Baker, no one in this movie can save this fucking movie. So, like, yeah, he's fine, but it 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 really doesn't really matter to me. Other than there's a couple of moments where I wish he was less good of an actor. Honestly, <laughs> there is a postscript to this movie, right? There's a part at the very end where he shows up as George Kennedy playing himself and says that uh, lawnmowers do not kill people. People kill people, which of course is that uh, famous line about guns. And then he gets hit by a bunch of pies. Liam, was that, was that, uh, (laughs) was that great for you? Seeing this dignified actor hit by a bunch of pies. So great. So great. I mean, according to the book, he was all for it. He wanted to get hit by those pies. I mean, the part about that, that's weird for me, Doug is going, okay, what was the vibe on the NRA when this movie came out? Like, what exactly is the joke here? Like, I get the joke to one extent, but also, who are we laughing at? Because I don't really have a read on it, because weirdly, that argument, which seems like what they're kind of making fun of in the movie, still is viable today for a lot of people as it was then. So I kind of saw that moment and thought, I don't know, bad vibes, bad vibes few bad vibes uh just to finish off here sarah your thoughts on that postscript of george kennedy getting hit by uh some cream pies george kennedy getting cream pied in wacko <laughs> that sounds filthy absolutely filthy that would have been a different movie altogether and maybe better possibly a better movie, um yeah. those and i gotta say those pies look pretty gross yes you know they should have thrown uh, one of those big, gigantic, three-foot-sized Twinkies at him that Joe Don Baker cuts. 
I okay. Wait a minute. I found something that was that I smiled at. Great. When that the beginning of that scene when he's around with his family, which is like a Thanksgiving. I don't know. It's a huge Twinkie. It is. It's literally like three yep. feet by I don't know a foot. It's it's huge, and there it was wrapped kind of. And I thought, oh shit, I would love to have you know the plastic that that's that, that is that big of a Twinkie. And he whips it off, you know, like it was a tablecloth or something. And I di- I smiled at the big Twinkie wrapper. <laughs> All right, there you go. Anyway, they sh- it would have been better had they thrown uh, a three foot Twinkie at him. Although I guess he might have been concussed because those pies were gross. Yeah, they were gross. And they by the were- way. If you- they weren't even just cream pies. It looked like somebody had taken, um, oh, I can't even think of what they're called. The one that you put meringue over the top. A lemon meringue like a key, pie. Oh, there like you a go. lemon meringue pie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but it was, the meringue was just, I, I don't even recognize that shade of, uh, of whatever that was. They, so they were nasty. But, you know, if he re- liked it, happy for him. The reason I hammer a little bit on this uh, postscript bit is because it was the reason that we're watching or just watch and just talked about Wacko. I've seen the uh, trailer for this movie many times previously, and they use that line, that part of him delivering lawnmowers don't kill people and him getting hit by the pies. And I'm like, you know what? I want to see what George Kennedy could do in a situation like that, having a little fun, getting hit by pies. Uh, let me tell you, ladies, gentlemen, anyone in between uh, or outside of that... Um, it sucks. It's a bad movie. It's really not funny. <laughs> Even when you read the reviews of people who have enjoyed this in recent years, because it is available in a very nice transfer with a Graydon Clark commentary. Even people who talk about it, it's almost like they're apologizing for the fact that they know how bad it is. Uh, I am with you, Liam. I think I enjoy Pandemonium just a little bit more, though not because of Cal Kane. It's mostly because there are isolated parts of that where there are funny people doing funny things. This movie tries to have some semblance of a plot and just... I mean, I think we're supposed to, like, George Kennedy's character is supposed to be a red herring for the killer, right? Because that's why he brings up mowing the lawn all the fucking time. That doesn't come through at all. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's a, This is bad. A bad, unfunny movie that I do not recommend. So let's wipe it off the table. Because on the next episode of George Kennedy is My Co-Pilot, we're moving on to something a little bit different. 1970s, tick, tick. Tick, starring the late Jim Brown. Uh, Liam, is this a movie that you are aware of or have seen before? No, I don't know anything about it. This is another movie that I'm very familiar with the trailer for. Uh, I think it's a movie that is kind of in the wake of In the Heat of the Night. It's about like a black sheriff, I think, coming to a, a mostly white town and encountering a lot of racism, though I think they go heavy on some of the language, so we'll have to prepare ourselves for that. Sarah, how about yourself? Have you ever seen Tick, Tick, Tick before? Uh, I have not, but I have heard of it. Uh, I love Jim Brown. Uh, I love Frederick March. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the poster. And I'm I like, love oh, Frederick March. I'm a huge, huge Frederick March fan. Why uh, is he and, in uh, this movie? Yeah, he's um, one of the, the leads of it. He plays the mayor in it, and Bernie Casey is in there as well, uh, Clifton James. Lots of great actors in this. Okay, so that's a stacked cast. So I'm looking forward to this one a lot. Yeah, so on the next episode of George Kennedy is my co-pilot, <laughs> something a little <laughs> different. Tick, tick, tick from the year 1970. Sarah, uh, I... Obviously, you're out there doing a lot of different stuff. Where can people find your work? Where can people find you online? Uh, well, my husband and I run a YouTube channel called White Saves the Chinatown, where we have rare, hard-to-find, out-of-print movies, TV shows, all kind of weird ephemera. Um, like We just did a double feature of uh, Dario Argento's 
he used to do it. Uh, he did some TV work in the 80s. Yeah. And uh, we did two episodes that we put up. One of them it, you really can't find anywhere. And we also have the Dario Argento um, directed fashion show from mm. the 80s. Um, yeah. If you can imagine Dario Argento directing a fashion show, um, yeah, it's it's something. It's something actually not hard see. to picture that. <laughs> <laughs> something you want to see. All right. Um, also, you can find me. Uh, my handle is at fookthis, F-O-O-K-T-H-I-S. I'm that on Letterboxd, Twitter, Blue Sky, because I'm fancy. Um, yeah, so just find me. And I believe that uh, White Slaves of Chinatown recently got some of their uh, strikes removed, right? So, we did. They were so your all whole removed. archive is available. Yes, they are. Yes, we do not have any strikes, which sounds awful. But this is—we're not putting up stuff that you can go buy. And nothing that someone's just put out on Blu-ray. These you cannot find. Uh, Look, it, it, so. if, if the last six months, a year, or however many years have taught us nothing else, it's that we need to preserve aspects of film history Correct. that are not currently available. So, yeah, you're doing a service for a lot of people. Speaking of doing a service for a lot of people, Liam, you are also a creator of content online. Where can people find your work? Uh, well, of course, they can head to cinepunks.com, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, for the latest episodes of Cinema Smorgasbord, as well as a bunch of other podcasts, some featuring me, some not, including, you know, the flagship podcast Cinepunks, but also Tomb of Ideas, Twitch of the Death Nerve, Carnage Report, Horror Business, a whole bunch of stuff over there. Uh, and, you know, Doug, if people want to hear the variety of stuff that we do, uh, broken up by topic, they can head to our website, cinemasmorgasbord.com, where we have separated all our various shows out. Uh, so you can, you know, if you only want to hear uh, George Kennedy, if you only want to dive into Carol Kane, whatever it is, you can find them specifically by topic <laughs> organized there. The two shows. <laughs> Those are the two that came to my mind. I'm sorry. Jordorowski, that's the other one. No, there's yeah, a Yeah, Jackie Chan. We have, like, we have like a million shows now, so whatever. I don't even know what we talk about anymore. Uh, and, of course, uh, Cinepunks is on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. And we are on Twitter, at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. And Liam also has a t-shirt company called Rough Cut uh, Shirts, where you can find it at roughcutfanclub.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, why don't you lean into that fucking microphone for me right there, sir? Um, not that I you had did anything before, else to say. but then I leaned back because I was done, and then you had this last question. I'm like, I'm not getting up for that. Uh, yeah, Leah mentioned you can find Cinema Smorgasbord on all of your podcast providers of choice. Why don't you leave us a review if you're enjoying what you're listening to right now? Uh, unlike Liam, I actually am going to talk about some of the shows that we have, including Praising Kane, devoted to the great Carol Kane. You don't know Dick about Dick Miller, uh, Jodorowsky podcast, George Kennedy, of course. We have a podcast devoted to Eurocrime. There's lots of stuff over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. Why don't you tell a friend? We'd appreciate it very much. And you can find Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules, that's R-U-L-Z. I'm on there as well, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. But for now, we need to take a little break. We're going to be back very soon with another George Kennedy classic, specifically 1970s, Tick, Tick, Tick. Good night, everyone. Nothing on earth that'll get me humming like a heat wave coming. I'll come running with you, making that pen in the broad daylight. And every night is a Saturday night, and everything's right Summer coming, I'm the first one standing in line For my day in the sun